Uh, but we're, we're continuing in our series, It's Your Move. Um, this is our last week of the series, and, and this series is, is based around growth track, which our, our vision as a church is upward, outward, forward, upward that every single one of us will grow in our faith and become more like Christ. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we read through God's Word. But growth track is, is one of the tools that we have for you to be able to take those next steps. And so the idea behind this series is that every single one of us has a next step in our faith, no matter how long you've been here, no matter how long you've been a Christian or a follower, um, whether it's your first time, there is a next step for you to take in your faith, and it's your move. And so we've worked through, this is our fourth week. The first week we were talking about discovering. That's the first step of growth track. You'll see in the O there's little symbols. Um, there's four steps to it. The first is discover. And in chapter one of Ephesians, which we're working through Ephesians, chapter one, we discover that we were chosen in Christ before the creation of the world. We were chosen, and through Christ we were adopted into the family of God. And so we discover who we are in Christ. The second week we talked about connecting that as we, as we discover who we are and as we grow in our faith, we connect together. And Ephesians 2 talks about, um, Paul says, we are, we are being built together to be God's holy temple, a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. And then Ephesians 3 was all about growing in love. So we discover and then we connect and then we grow in our love for each other. We know God's love more and we grow in our love for one another. And, and so, that's, so that brings us to today, which is chapter 4 of Ephesians. And today, the fourth step of growth track is disciple. And, and so there is a turn in, in the book of Ephesians, in this letter, Paul is writing um, to the church in Ephesus and, and also churches beyond, and he's writing, trying to, it's, it's kind of a pastor's heart or a missionary's heart, he's writing back to them to help them take their next steps and grow to be who God created them to be as the people of God. And so there's something that happens between chapter 3 and chapter 4. The first three chapters of Ephesians are all about kind of what God has done for us, what's happening for us, the things that we're receiving or experiencing. So we discover God's love, we connect together and grow, and we're growing in this love. And then chapter 4, there's kind of a turn. <clears throat> it turns from what you're experiencing, maybe what you're receiving, to what you need to do, what that means for you. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 1. You can follow along on the screen, and I'm going to read this. This isn't our main part of our text, but this sets up, this is important for what we're going to read later in verse 7 through 16. So verse 1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So this is kind of the setup for where we're going to go next in, in verse 7, but, but Paul starts by saying, as a prisoner for the Lord. See, Paul is writing from prison. He's been in Ephesus, and he started a church there, and he's writing back 
to the church from prison. Can you imagine that? He's in prison, and all he can think about is the people of God growing, continuing to become what God has for them. And so, so he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. Let, let me talk about this kind of a theme that we're going to see throughout chapter 4. There's kind of this ebb and flow of it. It starts with a personal thing. I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. You, this is personal. Then he's going to move, and we're going to go talk about one body, and then we're going to move back. You're going to see this flow. But he starts by saying, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. So, so to boil that down, the first three chapters, God's chosen us, adopted us, we're connecting together. We're growing in love. And, and here it is. Live a life worthy of this calling you've received. I, I don't, like I know that sometimes we read scripture and, and we just kind of think of it abstractly. But, but as we've talked about over the last few weeks, you are loved. You are chosen. You are created for a purpose. And in here, with each one of us connecting with each other, we are becoming the holy temple of God. And so he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of that. I don't know if you've ever felt unworthy or you've ever felt like, man, I, I'm just not measuring up. But Paul says, listen, you need to live a life worthy of this love and this adoption and this, this holy temple. So it's, it's personal. But then he moves into what we're going to call today the ones. There is one body. There is one spirit. He goes from the personal, now bringing us together again. There's one body. There's one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Let me, let, let's just, this sets up everything. The idea that there is one body. Sometimes we're tempted in our faith to think that my personal faith is a body of Christ and then, and then someone over here, their faith is a body of Christ and, and sometimes we forget that we are one together. The, the temptation in our culture, especially in, in, in Western civilization, is to make everything personal instead of communal. And Paul is saying, your faith is not just about you, it's about all of us. We are one body together. And, and so this is, this is huge for us. What you do, the steps that you take, your belief in God, your faith growing is a part of the body as a whole. It's not separated. And so sometimes we think about, I need to grow in my faith, and I need to do this, but, but Paul says, no, understand, yes, you need to live a life worthy of the calling, but, but we're one together. Later on, he's going he's gonna to draw, in, in a different letter, he's going to draw uh, more, more comparisons by saying, we are each part of the body, just as we have a physical body. An arm is not a body, it's a part of the body. A leg is not the body, it's a part of the body. A foot, a hand, your head, they are parts of the body in the same way. 
Paul says you individually should live a life worthy of the calling you've received, but we are one together. Some of you know this really hard truth that I'm figuring out as I get a little bit older, but your body is all connected. If your leg starts to hurt, you know what happens next? Come on, go ahead and tell me, guys, you know. Your back starts hurting. Several years ago, all of a sudden, my back started hurting, and I was like, something's wrong with my back, and, and they said, just go stretch your legs, and I was like, that's crazy. No, it's my back. There's something wrong in there, and when I stretch my legs, this weird thing happens. My back feels better. Jay, you're going to get there one day. <laughs> Listen up. Your body is all connected, and a leg is not a body, and your back is not the body, but it all together forms the body. It's the same way in the body of Christ. Each one of us is supposed to live a life worthy of the calling we've received, but we're a part of one body together. When one of us hurts, we all hurt. When one of us thrives, we all thrive. And so this is the context that we get in verse 7. We are one body. Verse 7, he brings it back personal. And he says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we start personal, live a life worthy of your calling, and then we come corporate or communal. There is one body. Yes, we are supposed to be faithful, but we're faithful within the body of Christ. And now he takes it back and he says, but each one of you is gifted. Each one of you has been given grace by God, and you've been given gifts. Do you know what your gifts are? Go, let, let's have some fun with this. Turn to the person next to you. You guys like talking to each other, right? Turn to the person next to you and share a gift that God's given you. Don't, don't be arrogant. Share a gift that God's given you. If you're online and you want to type that in, that's cool. It's okay. Don't brag, but just this is about what God has done. Every single one of us has been given gifts. Listen, I, I know some of you in here may not think that you are gifted, but God has given each and every one of us unique and special gifts. Every single one of them. There is not a person in this room that God has not chosen and created and gifted through his grace with unique gifts. Let's go back to what I just said, through his grace. Some of you are really talented at, at singing. I'm not one of you. Some of you could stand up here and sing and, and we all enjoy it and that's a gift that God has given. You didn't earn that. You didn't make that happen. God gives you the gift. Some of you are very compassionate people. You love, you listen, you help others. 
I know you may think that you're just a good person. That's given to you by God. Every gift that you're given is given by God's grace. See, if we think that we have earned our gifts, even if we're talking about our wealth or our possessions or our status or any, sometimes we can be tempted to think that we have earned these things. These are ours and we're missing something. Everything you have is a gift from God and every single person in this room is unique in the gifts that God has given you. You've been through different things. You've got different talents and abilities. Every gift you have is given by God's grace. And the second thing, every gift you have is given for a purpose. You, you need to know this today. You are uniquely gifted by God's grace and you are gifted for a purpose. It's not an accident that you're created the way you are. It's not an accident that you are unique. Sometimes we think, well, because I'm not like them, I'm not useful or I've got nothing, but God has beautifully designed each and every one of us to work together to build the body. Think about this. And, and, and Paul later talks about this. A hand is not a foot. Megan sometimes jokes that my toes are like fingers. She thinks I could play the piano with my toes because they're long. They're not gross, they're just long. Stop getting weird pictures in your head. And I have played video games with my toes. You can get that picture in your head, it's a pretty fun one. But, but a foot is not a hand. If I were walking around with feet right here, I would be pretty worthless. It would be pretty tough, right? Hands are not feet, ears are not noses. Every part of the body is unique. And one of the things I love about the body is that God has perfectly designed it. I mean, down to the, to the cells that you can't see, God has perfectly designed the body to work together. That's how the church is. Every one of us has been given gifts. Every one of us is unique, and it's not an accident. God has a purpose for each and every one of our gifts. Rob said in, in the video earlier, he said to hold that stuff back just wouldn't be right. God's given us by his grace gifts to be used, and so we need to use them. So live a life worthy of your calling, but you're one body together, growing together, functioning together, but each of you has your own gifts. And then Paul goes in verse 11 and he, he talks about some specific roles that Christ set in the church. He says, so Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, don't miss this part, to equip his people for works of service. I'm convinced sometimes that we read this text wrong, or at least that we believe it wrong. Sometimes within the church, we interpret this text this way. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to do the works of service. And we think the leaders, the people in these special positions, pastors, leaders in the church, it's their job to do the work of the church. 
It is their job to do the work of the church, but it's their job to equip the people for works of service. It, it, that's like saying, you know, if, if my arm and my leg were the main, they were to do all the work in my body, my body wouldn't function right. But the role of the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers is not to do all the work, it's to equip the people, God's people, who are uniquely gifted, who are created unique for a purpose to do the works of service. So, yes, there are roles in the church, and it says Christ himself ordained these roles, created these roles. But these roles are to equip every person for the works of service. Our vision here at the church is upward, outward, forward, that every person, not that some people will grow in their faith, not that some people will serve the community outward. Our vision is not that a few of you would catch it and start sharing your faith. And our vision is not that a few of you would start investing in the future. Our vision, and I know it's a lofty goal, and I know it's crazy sounding, but our vision, I believe, is God's vision for the church. It's what we see right here from Paul writing to the church, that every person would grow in their faith. Every person that walks through these doors, our vision is that you would grow closer to Christ. That every person would look outward and serve the community and share your faith and bring others to Christ. It's not just the job of some of us to do the works of service. It's all of us. And that every person would invest in the future of the church, invest in the future generations, that, that we would give our lives the gifts that God has graced us with, every one of us, for works of service. Every single one of us is uniquely gifted for a purpose. And when some of us aren't using those gifts, we aren't functioning, we aren't running on all cylinders because God created us together to become the holy temple, to be the dwelling place. This isn't a personal, simple thing that's on your own. It's a together thing, a unity. There is one body. And so verse 12 goes on. What is the purpose of our gifts? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God's grace gifts God's people to serve God's kingdom. Let's just stop here. Every single person listening right now, online, in person, every single one of us is a part of the body of Christ if we are believers, we are a part of the body of Christ. And every single one of you is uniquely gifted by God's grace to work together to build the body of Christ. And so the first three chapters have been great, and it's been, yeah, God loves us and God chose us, and that's discovering who we are is important. And connecting with each other, building relationships is important. 
And growing in our love for each other is important. But, but what I love about this, and this isn't bigger than any of the other steps, it's the natural flow of God's order for us, is that God then says, okay, you're growing in your faith, you're growing in your love for one another. Now, you need to know the gifts that I've given you, and you need to use those gifts to build the body, to serve the kingdom. And then what flows out of that when if we would all use our gifts, if every single one of us would use the gifts that God had given us to build the body, listen to what would happen. We would all reach unity in faith. We would reach knowledge, unity and knowledge of the Son of God. We would become mature and we would be filled with the full measure of Christ. That's the result. If we're running halfway, we're going to miss some of that. But God's plan is that every single one of us would use the gifts we've been given and that together we would work and serve the body and that we would reach unity of faith, knowledge in the Son of God, maturity, and that we would be filled with the fullness of Christ. Let me talk through those just really quick. Unity of faith. I'm convinced that one of the reasons the church sometimes fails in unity is that the church is unevenly balanced. They say in churches that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That, that's widely said about churches. That's pretty much said about everything, right? That's an uneven balance. And when some of us are using the gifts that God has given us, but others aren't, we're not going to be unified. But if each and every one of us understands God's grace that's been poured out on us and we're using our gifts to build the body, we're going to be unified in Christ. If every single one of us' goal is to build the kingdom of God, guess what? We've got unity right there together. As a church, my prayer is that we would not become divided over silly things and miss the mark, but that every single one of us would be unified using the gifts God given, has given us to build the body. Number two, knowledge of the Son of God. We grow, Jay and Faith and Rob and Kay Lynn are growing in their knowledge of the Son of God by meeting together and by lifting each other up. And it's not just Rob and Kay Lynn helping Jay and Faith grow, but like you heard in the video, it's the opposite as well because when we work together and we use what God's given us to build the body, we all know and understand God's love more fully. So we'll come to a knowledge of the Son of God. Number three, maturity. I, you know, sometimes, sometimes in the church, we fight over the most immature, silly things. My kids, I got four boys, and sometimes they fight over things, and, and I just, <laughs> last, last night, there was a little ball, and two of my kids were fighting over this ball, and it was just the dumbest thing, because they could have played together, but one of them had to lay on it to keep the other from getting it, and the other's trying to pull it out from under him, and then they hit each other, and they hurt each other, and then... I'm just like, guys, I will throw that ball over the street like we will get rid of that ball. It's so silly, it's so immature, it's so dumb to get upset over these things, but when we're not unified and we're not growing together, we're not mature. But when we're working together and we all have the same purpose and the same goal and the same faith and we are one body, we will be mature in our faith. And when those little things happen, 
We'll be able to work through them. They won't sidetrack us. Number four, that the fullness of Christ would be on display. That's, that's God's will for the church, by the way. I said this a few weeks ago. God's will for the church isn't that we would be a bunch of people that gather together and sing songs and then walk out of here and go on with our lives, but that the church would reflect the fullness of God's glory. And when we're unified and we're working together and we're lifting each other up and we're growing in our love and serving, we'll become the fullness of Christ. We live in a world that badly needs to see the fullness of Christ and it's God's plan and vision for us to reflect it. And so each and every one of us has been gifted, has been graced with unique and special abilities, gifts, things that God has given us. Do your best to live a life worthy of the calling, but understand you're a part of one body and you've been given gifts yourself, but you've been given gifts for a purpose to build the body of Christ. We will be functioning, we will be living, we will be working at our best when every single one of us is serving and using the gifts that God has given us. I mean it, there's not a person in here that doesn't have something to offer the kingdom of God. God's plan is that every one of us, every one of us will not hoard the gifts of God, but that we would use them to build the body. We're gonna take communion together. If you have your communion, go ahead and get it out. One of the things I love that we see in communion is in Luke chapter 22, Jesus comes together with his disciples, and I think it mirrors this, this idea perfectly. See, the first three chapters are about what God is doing in our lives, and the fourth chapter is all about what it's now our turn to do. And in communion, at the Last Supper, we see Jesus come together with his disciples, who he has walked with. He, he chose them. You can read the stories of him choosing his disciples. It says in Ephesians 1, we were chosen before the beginning of time. The disciples were chosen. Jesus walked up to them and said, follow me. And they connected together. They walked together daily. They became a family. Can you imagine just like every day walking with the same people? I mean, you do it with your family, but can you imagine if every single one of us was walking together every day the unity and the growth and the connectedness we would have, and they're being built into something, and, and they're growing the whole time in love. They're walking with Jesus. They're seeing miracles. They're seeing Jesus' love for the people around them, and they're, they're growing. And so the disciples have been discovering, they've been connecting, they've been growing, and, and all of a sudden we come to this Last Supper, and Jesus is fully aware of what's about to happen. He knows that he's gonna go to the cross. He knows that he's gonna die on the cross. He knows that he's gonna be resurrected and he knows that he's gonna ascend into heaven. And what we're seeing in the Last Supper is Jesus says, this is my last time eating with you. This is my last meal with you. I want you to remember who I am and what I'm all about because guess what? It's your turn next. The thing I love about about this whole thing is that God doesn't just let us discover and connect with each other and, and grow in love just to have good feelings, but God invites us to be a part 
of what he's doing. God wants the church to continue the work that Jesus did in his time on earth. God has a high calling for every single one of us, for us together as one body. And so Jesus gathers with his disciples, and he takes the bread, and and I don't think they fully understood it, but I hope you understand it today. Jesus takes the bread, and he says, this is my body that's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What he's saying is, this is who I am. This is what I'm all about. I give myself, I give my body, I give everything that God has given me for you. Take and eat and know the love of Christ for you. It says in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Listen, today you may be discovering the love of God for you. Today you may be discovering in communion, this is a sacrament, this is God's grace flowing, this is a way that we remember who Jesus was and and what Jesus did for us. We remember his love. He says, this is my blood that was poured out for you. Take and drink. But he goes on and he's talking to his disciples. And in verse 29 of Luke 22, he says, God has given me, my Father has given me this kingdom that I've inherited and now I confer it to you. See, he knows he's gonna die, he knows he'll be resurrected, but he knows after resurrection he's gonna ascend and then guess what he says, go and make disciples. See, Jesus made disciples, he taught them, they connected, they grew, and then now it's time for them to take the next step and to go and continue the work of making disciples, building the kingdom. Every single one of us has a next step today. Every single one of us is uniquely gifted by God's grace. Every single one of us, this is one part of God's grace. This is a huge part of God's grace. His love, his sacrifice for us to be adopted, a part of the family. But God has something more for us. It's not just about feeling good and not just about coming together. It's about being the body of Christ and building God's kingdom. So today, as we've taken communion and God's grace has flowed to us and remember who Jesus was and who Jesus is, we understand that we are called to continue to take our next step, grow in our faith, and grow to become the fullness of Christ in this world. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for the price that you paid. I I thank you for the gift of your word that we can see that the disciples journeyed with you and we can see this process of growth. But Lord, I know that you want to call each and every one of us to take our next step. And I know there's some people in here today that, that may feel like they're worthless or like they don't have gifts or they have nothing to offer. Father, I pray that you would show us the grace that you've given us I pray that you would show each and every one of us that you have uniquely created us, you've adopted us into your family, your kingdom, and you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And my prayer, Lord, today 
is that we would take the grace we've been given by you, that we would use it for your glory and your kingdom. Help each and every one of us to grow, to disciple, to make disciples, to build the body. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. Amen.